G'day, g'day, and welcome to another podcast of Gates' study on Bible topics. So the last time was what should have been just a brief rundown. I sometimes get quite carried away, and my friends and family know that. Um, if I get on certain topics, I really like to expand rather than just be quick and vague about it. Um, and yeah, so that's what ended up happening and ended up spending 20-odd five minutes or whatever it was uh, talking on a suggestion of a, a pastor and the Passover and Christ dying on the cross. So I will do a, that was only brief, even though it was 25 minutes or so, I will actually do a, I did do a sermon on Easter, sorry, at Easter, on Easter, uh, that I wasn't quite happy with how I presented it so that when I do it for the podcast, I'm going to, uh, yeah, do it slightly different to really bring to light what I was wanting to bring to light sort of thing. So, yeah, we'll um pray and we'll get into it. All right. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now, Lord. We just lift our hands up to you in a show of reverence and honour. Lord God, for we are to worship you and you alone whether that's through physical act, Lord God, or through our minds, Father, through our voices, however that comes across, Lord, we are to worship, to praise, to bring honour to you, Lord God, and exalt you on high. So, Father, we just ask that as we read the word today that you're able to, your presence will be here with us. Lord God, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come upon everybody that's listening right now more so than residing in our hearts. But as we read the word today, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you reveal new truth, new revelation to whoever's listening today. Holy Spirit, we know that in Scripture it says, let the Bible be revealed in spirit and in truth. So truth cannot be revealed without your spirit. For when Peter said, you are the, the son of God, the Messiah. Jesus said, I thank my father for it was not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but the spirit of God, my father. And Lord, we just ask that right now that your spirit will reveal truth, not only to me, but to everyone that's listening, Lord God, in the future. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just are there and bring the words alive. Let them jump out of the page to them and sear it in their hearts so that they do not forget these beautiful words. Father and Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being with us, being in us and revealing truth and allowing and helping us to live godly lives. Even when we do fall, we thank you for the times that we don't because of you and not our own selfish ways. So we just lift you up and we thank you and Yeshua, we just so grateful for what you did on that cross and what you do continuously by being that interceder, being that attorney for us, standing in front of us, in front of the Father. And so when he looks at us, he looks through you, seeing nothing but righteousness. And so we just so thankful that that is what you do. And that's what you have done on the cross, bearing it all our sin and shame taking it to hell, burning in hell 
so that we don't have to burn in hell. Lord, are we just so thankful and we honour you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. All right. I think I get more carried away with my prayers these days. As I read scripture and I understand more and more, I just want to vocalise it when I pray. And I think that's a good thing. And I think as we all grow, that prayer is purely communication with God. And so when it talks about giving, when we are to, when we pray that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, what are the desires of our heart? It's not a selfish thing. So you look at what did, what did Jesus do? If you look through, uh, Mark is a good one. When he did miracles and stuff, it says he went away in the early hours of the morning to pray to his father. And so when the disciples asked him, how do we pray? Jesus said, you pray like this and gave us the Lord's Prayer. It is a structure. You do not have to do exactly word for word, but it is a structure basis of everything is about God. Your will be done here on earth as is heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Father God, what do we require today? We ask that you are the giver of it to us. That is not on our own strength, but it is you. Everything is about God providing for us. And if we start to line ourselves up with that, it is not a me, 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 but it is a you, you, you. And that's what Jesus did every morning when he went to pray. He went, Lord, what am I to do for the day? Father, give me the strength that I need. Because every day he preached and miracles took place and he was the cause of those miracles and so he was flooded and inundated with thousands of people daily and what took place miracles took place and people were so captivated by it then it gave him the opportunity to teach to them so and it talks about scripture that when there is teaching that miracles are to follow or signs and wonders are to follow they are to go hand in hand so when the spirit of god is truly teaching through somebody if you allow a time for ministry and you are truly teaching what god has called you to teach god will move through his spirit through that place that is a a definite thing because it lines up with scripture and so if you are truly doing what god wants you to preach and teach the Spirit of God will be there and signs and wonders will take place as evidence that it is the Word of God. It's such a beautiful thing. So, yeah, as I pray more and more, I become more uh, acknowledging of what he did, more understanding of what he did, and it brings me to a more and more grateful place, and that comes out through my prayer sort of thing so that it becomes more of a god what do you have for me so and then all it gets to the desires of my heart and not my own desires but they're god's desires for me and so it does a complete change it's no longer selfish but it's selfless and that's a beautiful thing that's almost a little bit of a, a nugget right there so <laughs> i hope that helps somebody um but all right welcome everybody literally around the world now it's very exciting and yeah i've got to research on how to allow more countries and more people to find these podcasts and and to not just listen to one but get captivated by one and want to listen to more of them 
Um, so yeah, I've got to look into that. I don't know. I look at social media, but I don't understand how to make social media work for you. So, all right, let's get into it. We are in Genesis chapter eight, and today I'll be reading from the NASB. So as we break it down, I've got my concordance on my phone by my side, ready to go. So let us do it. All right, so a recap of Genesis 7 was uh, the bringing of the animals onto the ark, so two by two, and then the animals that are considered clean, they were in by seven by seven, so there were pairs of seven for each. So that is why there is such a vast, greater, oh, excuse me, number of cattle, which are a livestock, not just cows, but cattle were created inevitably to be consumed, but to be farmed and harvested, whether it's a fleece, leather, milk, all those sort of things. They were designed for us to do that. Not in the garden, but God knew what was going to take place. So when he made them, that was what followed, I guess. So for sheep, cows, goats. Uh, so clean was considered a two-hoofed animal that was not a bottom dweller. So not something that uh, was like a omnivore, I guess. Ate their own, ate the dead. Uh, yeah, all those sort of things. So uh, pigs are a big no-no. Um, trying to think of... So they considered even like antelope and those sort of like gazelles, they are considered a clean animal and certain types of birds as well. And so you've got seven sets. And so why do you think there's such a vast more numbers of these animals than there is of all the other wild animals that haven't been chosen and collected for increased breeding production. So like for cats and dogs and all that sort of thing. So that's a bit of a recap. And then they're on the ark and they're on the ark and it's raining. And 40 days and 40 nights, when we look through the the understanding and meaning of all uh, Hebrewism with their numbers and stuff, 40 represents trial, tribulation, testing. Or a probation period. So Noah only had a little window at the top of the ark, on the so at the top on the side, I guess. So it was above, well above eye level, and for him to look at it, all oh that was loud. Um, all he could see was the sky. He couldn't see anything else. And so looking through that little window, he had to lift his eyes up and look to the Father. That's all he could look to. So looking up to God, trusting in him through this trial that he would follow through with what he promised. Because all you could see, I'm sure he would have had doubt in his mind from time to time, looking up and going, oh, it's raining again. Oh, it's still raining. It's still raining. It's still raining for 40 days before it decided to stop. And then when the sky cleared up and he looked up and goes, oh, the sun's out. God, you're following through with what you promised us. And then the wind, they would have felt a breeze come through that little window because it says the wind picked up and it started, well, actually, that's where we're getting up to now. But he had to complete, he had nothing else but to look up to the heavens 
to where God is and trust in him, which is, I think that's a beautiful thing. And then the water covered the highest mountain by in the the measurements it may be a little bit off on the preciseness of a phone which they may not have the exact measurements of those old school measurements anyway it's 6.91 meters so it's 90 mil or you guys would say three and or in america three and three quarter inches i get or thereabouts that that would be close so for us it'd be 90 mil um so 90 mil as a tolerance i would honestly put it as a seven meters above uh the highest peak which seven represents resurrection and spiritual completeness so being completely covered so the only thing that survived were the fish and everything on the ark everything else died which meant it was a new beginning which is what eight actually depicts is a new beginning and so when it hit to seven it goes it is complete now now the wind's going to kick in and start to dry the earth so you think there's enough water on earth to completely cover the whole earth externally so outside of the core's crust and that is, you think about it, that is the only water we actually have here on Earth. Through the Artesian Basin, uh, wells, straight underground streams, the ocean, and what's in the sky. That is the only water. And if you look at it and think about it, that that water is, is enough to actually cover the whole Earth. That's pretty incredible because the wind dried the water, which made it evaporate, which made it rise to the sky, and it gets trapped in a certain layer where the clouds develop. And then the ground soaked up the rest of it and went back through the cracks into the basins and whatnot. And so all the water that covered the earth is still here on earth. So it, the capacity to flood the earth still remains, but God's promise said it will not happen. But I have the capability to do it because the capacity is there to do it, but I'm not going to. So that's quite interesting. Actually, I heck, that only just come to me just then. That's quite interesting in itself. That God still has the capacity to wipe out the entire earth, but he still holds true to his promise that he gave to Noah in the form of a rainbow. That there is still enough water to be weary that my wrath can come upon the earth and completely wipe out everything via water, but I show you mercy every day because of my promise. That's incredible right there. That's, oh, I guess that gives me chills. I'm actually quite excited with that. I'd never actually thought as in depth into that one instance before right now. Thank you, Lord. That's incredible. I hope someone else got something out of that. Woo. <laughs> All right. Now we'll start with chapter eight, like we were supposed to. All right. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. It would have been interesting that Noah would have been playing in his mind, does God still remember us? Oh, it's raining another day. Does God still remember that we're actually here? And for it to say, God remembered Noah, it come to the 40 days of com continuous raining, which became the number of a trial. 
He remembered him after the trial. That, oh yeah, he's still in the boat. All right, awesome. I'm going to, God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. So it started to mosey on down, however many hundreds of meters that it had to. Um, also, the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained. It was held back. And all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, here's these cloud formation cycles that clouds will store water rather than just allowing them to dump. There's now a science behind it that it remains in the this certain layer until the, the tiny little mists start to bond together, whether it's via a dust particle or whatever, that they start to join and they get heavier. And it's incredible that things that have volume and weight remain held in the sky until they get to a certain point and then they fall. That's very amazing in itself that God designed it that way. Um, and the water receded steadily from the earth and at the end of 150 days, the water decreased. For some reason on my numbers chart of the Bible, 150 actually isn't in, in there. I've got 144, then 200. <laughs> so I can't quite look at the the definition of that or the meaning behind specifically 150 days and then verse four and in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat so Ararat was the the nation and the ark is now resting on one of the mountains in that country and so that's pretty amazing history being geographical in where it is that if you go look on Google and stuff or YouTube, there's actually people that have found the ark on one of the mountains in Ararat or maybe Ararat's a region after looking into that. But so we've got the seventh month. Well, that's quite significant because what's seven resurrection, spiritual completeness. So on the seventh month, the boat rested, it was resurrected with the earth again life was able to start the process of developing trees and whatnot on the ground on the seventh month on the 17th day of the month now 17 means victory so there's a resurrection and in the same moment there's a resurrection there is a victory of god cleansing the earth and man being able to be reestablished via god's mercy amazing that there's these specific days that have such a significance in numbers with israel and we just we miss out on it because we don't understand the significance between god and hebrew like there's such a intricate i'm not saying that it was the original language but the language that the hebrews got to take hold their numbers are letters and so each word has a number value. And so the name of Yahweh has a number value. And so that number literally means God. And so there are words that describe God. They may have more or less letters in them, but the numeral value comes back to the exact same. And it's the same with stuff that's for God and stuff that isn't for God. A lot of stuff that do not uh 
like 666 we know is not of God, that it is of the devil or satanic antichrist, whatever you want to call it. And so through the Bible, I actually, I have saved it, but it's, it's a big website. There's a lot and a lot and a lot of describing on there that they just casually rhymed off a heap of English words that when they get translated to Hebrew, the numeral value equates to 666. And you'd be blown away with what actually equates to that number. But then there's so many numbers that also equate to 777 and 888. So 777 is Christ. 888 is the Holy Trinity, the sum of the tree of life. So the tree of life, the name of it in Hebrew equates to 888. That's amazing in itself. And so there's, yeah, just this, such this deep, intricate definition behind everything that we just miss out on. And so I encourage you all to, to look these sort of things up. This we had a, um, a speaker at a youth conference, oh, sorry, youth camp that I've gone to pretty well my whole life and started being a leader at oh, about 10 years ago, I guess. Um, and this lady studied biblical Hebrew. And so when she started sharing stuff, it got me hooked on it. And I started looking into it and going, wow, there is so, so much that we miss out on. And even understanding an Eastern culture compared to a Western is vastly, vastly different. And so when we listen to these parables and that, you look through the, the lens of an Eastern culture, which is what they were, there's such a more deeper meaning in it. Absolutely incredible. So for these numbers to be a resurrection and a victory all in one when the ark rested on the mountains and the water and we'll, okay we'll continue now sorry i just get so excited about it uh verse five and the water decreased steadily until the 10th month in the 10th month on the first day of the month the tops of the mountains became visible so through his little window he was able to see them so what is 10 10 equates to a testimony it also equates to the law and responsibility and on the first equals unity as well as new beginnings. And so on the 10th day, on the first, sorry, the 10th month on the first day, all of a sudden you've got a testimony of new beginnings. Wow. Just wow. That's just so incredible. And it's so simple, isn't it? But it just blows my mind how amazing that God has through the, Hebrew writing that the Old Testament was written in and all that sort of stuff that God's name is imprinted all throughout it and we just don't see it. Uh, Chuck, uh, what's his last name? It starts with M. Chuck Mesler or something like that. He's, he's passed away now, but he was someone that studied heavily in Hebrewism and the, the coding in it. And so there's sermons that he spends like an hour and a half and he just shows number codes and letter codes that are all throughout the Old Testament that scream out God. And the rabbis were the ones that understood that coding. And so when, even in the, the Middle Evil times, kings would have Jewish rabbis by their side to teach them how to do certain encodings that other nations would not be able to decipher. Absolutely incredible. So he's actually a, 
Misler or Mesler or something like that. Um, yeah, I just can't quite remember who, what his last name is, but he's incredible. Um, yeah, so just numbers in the Bible and their values and all that sort of stuff just blows my mind. So we get to so the mountaintops are able to be visible in the day the the testimony of new beginnings. And on that day, then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. Then he set out a dove from him. So 40 trials. So at the end of it, after he'd rested for 40 days on the mark, so there's another trial in itself, knowing you've got to wait 40 days for the water to subside enough. So that's 80 days so far. Um, yeah, because what did it get to? Didn't I just read 150? Yeah, so after the rain, in verse 3, and at the end of 150 days, the water decreased. Okay. So saying, okay, so it's interesting that that's there, verse 3. After 150 days, the water decreased. So the, it had rained for 40 days and 40 nights nonstop. And then the water was decreasing. And so it got to 150 days. Then they were able to, so uh, verse 6, then he was able to set out the bird after 150 days, so lots of 40, but 150 isn't 40, is it? What is it? 4, 8, 12, 16. Knock 10 days off. No, okay. I'm not quite sure on that. I'll have to look into that. Uh, verse 7. And he set out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he set out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the earth. So drained, pretty much enough to walk and not get completely sloshed in mud. Uh, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of her feet. So she returned to him in the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited yet another seven days. So another spiritual complete, this another resurrection, and then set her out again. And the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So within seven days, life was evident on the earth again. Within seven days, there was another resurrection of life. Okay, oh, I'm grinning now. Oh, that's awesome. And the dove came back in the evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was residing or abated from the earth because trees also have to wait for enough drainage so that they can actually uh, start to grow again because when you get waterlogged, things do not grow. You look at crops, wherever you are, if you look at crops and you've had some big rains and there's water sitting in the paddocks, everything yellows off and things will die because they're just there's too much water. They can't actually breathe through their roots and through the stems of the plants because they actually need air to be able to do that. Um, so there's a resurrection. There's a new life with these olive trees. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. So within seven days, life is evident. 
and within another seven days, life is sustainable on the earth. Wow. Now it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day of the month. So new beginnings, new beginnings, new beginnings. Uh, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. So, okay, so the second month, witnessing, union, and division is the different meanings of that. So in the second month, there was a witness on the 27th day of the month. So 27 equates to preaching of the gospel. So what is the gospel? Gospel is the good news. And so in this instance, the gospel, so the good news would be Christ. So God returning life to us, the ability for us to continue with life after his judgment has been passed. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So, okay. We'll finish up with verse 14 and I'll be right back for the next one. All right. I'll catch you in a bit. See ya.